Hey, this is Heather. Hey, this is Liz. This week we're talking about our book club episode, Thrawn by Timothy Zahn, the 2017 New Canon version. Absolutely. Let's hit that music. Welcome, everybody, to one of hey. our, our book clubs, our long overdue Thrawn book club. It is. It's our first book club of 2018. So, woo! It is. Yeah. The first one that we've done, because we're still in January, so we're on time for once, so that's good. Um, and if anybody ever goes to our nerdybitches.com uh, webpage, which I don't think they do, but if you do, you will notice that we actually have a whole page on there dedicated to our book club selections and links directly to each of those episodes. So if you ever decide you just want to take a day and listen to our library, then you can just go and click a click click. Or you decided to torture yourself and actually read that third uh, Divergent series book. Ugh, yeah. Jesus. Please, don't, so please don't read it just to listen to our podcast. Just listen to our podcast. We tell you what happens because it's that terrible. I honestly wouldn't even invest in the series at all. Just just listen to our podcast. We'll tell you the good stuff and we'll save you the heartbreak and fuck you again, Veronica Roth. You can kiss my ass. Are we ever going to have a book club where we do not mention her? Probably not. Probably. No. All right. I guess maybe if another uh, another author screws, screws the pooch more than she does, then uh, then maybe we'll we'll move her out of her current throne of worst writer ever. And I seriously, I'm I'm always wondering if she had a head injury between books like two and three. But I think the likelihood that it just got passed over to a staff writer to make a third book to make the series, you know, into three, probably more likely. Yeah. So anyway, this week we're actually talking uh, Star Wars Thrawn by Timothy Zahn. This is the one that was released in April 2017. So we are not talking about the Heir to the Empire series that was done by Timothy Zahn back in the day, but I'm sure I will still mention it as we go along because it was awesome. Yeah. So Thrawn, they brought back canically, canonically. What is that word? I don't know what the word is. They brought back to canon with uh, when he appeared in Rebels, and he, he yeah. was yeah, Grand Admiral Thrawn, and uh, he's in the Empire, and he's blue. Yeah, it's really, uh, this book I think is really interesting. And I like that they're doing this in the new canon because most of the old books, or at least the books that I have read or seen or heard about, are usually from the perspective of our, quote, heroes. So our rebellion people, they're from Luke, they're from Leia, they're, you know, there's something in that perspective. So everything you see of the Empire is evil and wrong and terrible. This book is written about and from Thrawn and Vanto and some of the other characters in this book. So it's really written more on the Empire side. So it's fun to kind of see, because, you know, we, again, we think of these characters and these people as inherently evil, and they all work for, you know, this horrible dictatorship. And they're just people. You know, we forget about that, that half the people working on the Death Stars were just people or Wookiee slaves or, you know, something that we don't really think about. We just think about everything in there is wrong. So the fact that we blew it up and killed 3 million people, nah, they were all bad. But what, you know, it's, so it's kind of nice that they're taking this perspective look so that you get to see kind of the, 
humanity, if you can call someone who's a chiss uh, a human, then, you know, we're just talking the human collective here. You know, it's interesting, right? Because he's clearly not on the side of the rebels. But it's really interesting, though, because you still kind of want him to succeed in what he's doing, you know, but they don't have him do anything where he's making anything evil. And it even seems like, by the way, spoilers for the book, that he kind of figures out about the Death Star in it. Mm -hmm. Well, he really seems to. Okay, well, let's 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 come back to this. We're going to come back to this because I think we should do a quick summary of the book. Um, cause unlike other book clubs, are never quick, our quick summary. Well, is, okay. Quickish. Okay. Other book clubs I've heard talk about the same fucking book for two years. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that's fine. If they want to go through it line by line, I, it takes me two to three days to read these books. So uh, the last thing I want to do is spend 17 hours talking about every chapter in detail. Okay. So let's, let's talk. Let's, so we're just going to do a quick summary. What do you got? We'll do a quick summary. So, Basically, this book starts out and we have um, Cadet Eli Vanto and he and his captain and all of their crew, they are out in the unknown region or kind of on the edge of yeah, wild space. Don't they call it like the outer zone or something like that? Well, it's the outer rim, but they're they're kind of more walking the line to wild space. So there's like the uncharted areas that just nobody goes beyond that or very few people have gone beyond and the people who do never come back. Uh, so there's all sorts of myths and rumors and whatnot about what goes on beyond there. And Vanto is actually from that area. And this is not considered like the wealthiest or classiest area. It's definitely not central Coruscant, you know, so they all kind of look at him like he's a dumb hick. The area is described in the book that uh, Eli Vanto is from would be the areas of the United States that meth is made in excess. <laughs> That's true. Uh, lots of lots of trailer parks in this particular band of the universe. Uh, yeah, lots of meth labs <laughs> happening here. So basically, this is this is an uninhabited planet that they have come to, and there has been, I guess, an empire presence there in the past, but it's not currently occupied. But they did have a warning system in place, and something has triggered this. So the closest ship, which is the ship that they were on has come to investigate what has set off this warning. And when they get there, they basically find one of the huts and not, not job of the hut, but like an actual hut structure. I should verify that. Yeah. You need to uh, verify it. <laughs> you have, yeah, you have to, you have to break that down. Cause I'm sure there's hut presence out there somewhere. Uh, they like the outer rim, but um, so they, they find this in un, this previously uninhabited area has now been recently inhabited and as they are trying to figure out who the hell is on this planet that no one is supposed to be on, I think they find kind of a like a escape pod and they find some different traps that have been set up. And unfortunately, some of their people have fallen into different traps and triggered them and have gotten killed and equipment is going missing. And so they set a trap and catch whoever this is. And they assume that this person is just trying to basically hitch a ride off the planet. They do they basically oblige they take off into space and then they turn off all the lights in the hangar and they real they find this person or this humanoid figure yeah, it's like a the only issue way, is yeah. this humanoid figure is blue he is extremely blue he is blue skinned and has bright red eyes and immediately everyone is on their guard even though he is perfectly placid he is 
surrendering. He is not throwing up any fight whatsoever. So they are confused by this and they realize that he is speaking a language that they don't understand. And Cadet Vanto steps up and says, well, you know, I'm from this hillbilly area and I know that he is speaking Sibisti. And so he starts talking to him because he also speaks it. It's basically a trade language in that area. And his family is, um, they're trade people. They're, you know, shipping yeah, type I, people. I got the impression that the language was, was pretty close to dead. So it'd be almost like um, somebody speaking Latin. Or like Navajo. It's kind of one of those that's not really something that anybody knows unless you're in this area. And he recognizes from the use of Cybiste and from his general description, he recognizes that this species of, you know, individual is probably from the Chiss ascendancy. And all they know about the Chiss are myths and legends. They've never necessarily seen one, or if they have, it's been many generations since they've had dealings with them, but they have heard all sorts of things about how they are incredibly smart and dangerous. Like these are, you know, kind of the two main things that keep coming up, that these are not people to be trifled with. Which is kind of funny that they now call the original Thrawn trilogy the legends because it's not canon anymore. Because mm-hmm. really that's And all he's we, a legend. Yeah. Uh, that's all we know about the Chiss, right, too, is that mm-hmm. uh, is is from the legends we've heard about them previous. So I don't Well, know. and if you think about when, you know, when we move on into The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, Luke Skywalker is a legend. He's a myth. People don't realize that he's actually a real person. And the Force, yeah. Mm-hmm. The whole that whole thing is gone by the wayside. So, you know, it all kind of comes back into play. So anyways, once they realize that this person, you know, they start interrogating him, but not in like an evil way. They're all highly civilized, it seems. And, you know, he basically just he won't he speaks some basic or he understands a level of basic, which is what everyone else galactic basic is what everyone else is speaking but he doesn't speak it fluently enough to where he feels comfortable, you know, with that being his main form of communication. So Vanto becomes the translator for him. He is assigned by the captain to be his personal translator while they are dealing with this. And they decide to take him and run him to Coruscant because they think the emperor, uh, Emperor Palpatine may actually be amused by finding this legendary Chiss uh, stalking a previous Imperial base and, you know, finding his way onto a ship and talking tactics and shit. Yep. I called bullshit at the very beginning that he needed an interpreter. I thought <laughs> that he saw something in Eli that actually, I think it was selfish to start with at first because he wanted to hear the stories of the Chiss and mm-hmm. only Eli knew them. So at first he was using Eli. He claimed that he needed him as a translator to kind of pull him off his post to make him work with him just to hear the stories of the Chiss and of his people. And um, then he starts, he gathers a relationship with Eli, uh, like a friendship or a mentorship. Well, it, it does go down that road, but I think, you know, poor Eli is kind of being used all the way around because the, the Imperial officers are also using him, not just as a translator, but they kind of want him to learn the stories of the Chiss and find out more information than they think this guy is willing to tell them the formal officers that he might tell to this hick guy who's a cadet so they they do make it back to coruscant and they take him to see palpatine who just 
is a wicked little Muppet. And they, you know, even Thrawn is sizing him up throughout the whole thing, having Eli translate between them, which, you know, he's just shitting bricks standing directly in front of the emperor. And he makes a mention, which I think is really interesting that he actually met Anakin Skywalker during the clone wars. Because Anakin, at one point during the Clone Wars, flies off into uncharted space and apparently has some sort of adventure where he meets Thrawn. We don't find anything out about this in this particular book, other than the Emperor saying, well, unfortunately, Anakin Skywalker did not survive the Clone Wars. And he's like, that is very sad. But Thrawn has also got a little twinkle to where you're like, he doesn't fully believe that. I This confused me, right? Okay, so he's trying to get in good with the Empire. And he mentions somebody that the Empire technically is an enemy of and be like, oh, I miss him. How's he doing? So <laughs> I mean, I, I felt that that was a little thing. Like, so he has to know that he's now Darth Vader somehow. I, well, mean, I think he's just one. Well, I, he, he talks pretty significantly about how Anakin spoke really highly of then Chancellor Palpatine before he became the Emperor. And so I think that was probably his attempt at making a tactical in, like this is how I know who you are and what's going on, uh, is to let you know that, hey, I met someone before they betrayed the Empire, which is what we heard, or, you know, that kind of thing. Because they're not, they're not on the hollow net. They're not listening in on everything that's happening in the Empire, most likely. They may be. I don't know. But so basically he goes to Palpatine and says, you know, I was exiled by my by my people because they don't believe in preemptive strikes, which is, you know, I believe tactically that's what we need to do. There is an an unmentioned danger. He doesn't really specify, but he says there are things out there that are danger to my people that will possibly be a danger to your people as well. So I would be happy to pledge my service to you to learn about you and also to teach you about us. And hopefully we can work together so that if the Chiss ever come under attack, they would have an ally. If the empire ever comes back, the Chiss ascendancy might have someone. And I think it's really interesting because the emperor says, well, your people exiled you. Why would you want to protect them? He's like, why wouldn't I? They're still my people, regardless of if they exiled me or not. They're, they're still, I still want them to be safe. I don't want them to have to face these dangers. So Right there, you're kind of getting the first real insight into his psyche and personality and that he's not just some sort of wicked master. Because in the Heir to the Empire trilogy, again, because there's there are things that are happening and he's in them, but he's very cold. He seems very detached, very calm, like he runs shivers up people's spines all the time. And you just you realize that this person is an amazing tactician. They are brilliant and terrifying. And in the Hand of Thrawn duology that comes after the initial trilogy, he's basically dead because he dies at the end of that trilogy. Spoilers, but the book's 20 years old, so get over it. Um, but in the, the Hand of Thrawn duology, they basically find out that he, they think he has made clones of himself that would pop up every 10 years. Cause like a clone's life only lasts a certain amount of time before they degrade kind of like Dolly, the sheep. They only get a certain amount of uh, yeah, a certain amount of life out of that clone gene. So they have to basically replace themselves with clone. And he had some sort of way of transferring his consciousness or memories or uh, whatever 
from one to the next. So anyway, but this this really gives you the the hint behind him that he has he has more good going on in him. He's not a bad guy inherently. He's not an evil guy. He's not out to destroy anything, really. Yeah, he's a tactical guy. Yeah, so he's, you know, he has a lot of military experience already. So the emperor decides, all right, well, we'll keep you around, but I can't really just throw you on a star destroyer, even though you have all this military background. So, and Eli has three months left before his, uh, his, before he graduates from the academy. And he's been on one of the off world academy bases. He's not at the Grand Imperial Academy on Coruscant. So they transfer him there. <laughs> they put Thrawn in as well. And they have said, you are now his personal translator and you guys are going to take all your classes together. He's going to basically do an accelerated learning course to graduate in the same three month time period that you have left, which I'm sure pissed off Eli because he'd already been in the program for two or three years at that point and whatever. And I'm sure he wasn't happy about, well, now I get to leave my easy school and have to come to the hardest, most rigorous school in the galaxy right here on Coruscant. But it also was basically, it's basically the officer training ground is what this particular facility is. Yeah, it's like uh, MIT, not MIT, you know, the one that the military goes to in... in, Yeah, like West Point or, you know, one of those. Yeah, Yeah, where you're... You get in there and you learn all the tactical shit and it's not where the grunts go. The grunts go elsewhere yeah. to learn how to be because because Eli's goal was to be a supply manager. His Nothing goal was to be Heather. Supply manager. <laughs> His goal was to be Heather. He wanted to be a supply <laughs> officer. That's awesome. You can't mm-hmm. get anywhere without supplies. That's true. <laughs> or logistics. And it's funny because, again, his whole family's career, they're all shipping people. Like, that's what they do. They deal with supplies. They deal with demand. They deal with dealing with all of these shipping issues and freights and cargo. And, and he has this incredible mind for shipping and for procurement or whatever the whatever the imperial version is. So it, it's funny how much that comes into play throughout this book. Like, how, how much space would you need to store 75 car, you know, pounds of this cargo and whatever. And he's just like, there's like beautiful mind of shipping yeah, calculations. And, and, and like you're saying, like cubic uh, measurements and stuff he could just do in his head. Um, mm-hmm. That was kind that was kind of funny. One thing that uh, you mentioned about it being such a, like this superior school, um, mm-hmm. just where the officers go. As anybody that's watched a movie based in the 80s or 90s, kids that go to elite schools are kind of douchebags to kids that have a a southern accent or whatever this outer rim accent is. School ties, anyone? Yes. And then also Also, the empire is incredibly racist against aliens, any any non-human or what they deem to be non-human. So they they automatically have it in for Eli, one, because he's a hick. And they automatically have it out for Thrawn because he's a blue-skinned, red-eyed, freaky-ass alien. Yep. So yes. So anyway, they get to the school, and I think it's really interesting because when they first arrive, they go to whoever, whoever the head of the school is, or or at least the temporary head of whoever's in charge of letting them into the school, and they immediately bestow upon Thrawn the rank of lieutenant. And they give him the little re- lieutenant's pen. And it's always like out of annoyance. And, you know, you got in here because the emperor told you to, that you that you had to be in here. Right. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. But we have to give it to you because, you know, friend of 
friend of a sheave kind of thing. Like they pulled Palpatine's little buddy in and now he's getting special treatment, which is hilarious because the whole school is full of rich pricks who are all there based on special treatment and bribery. Uh, so they basically give him this and Eli's like, what the fuck? Like, seriously, you don't come in as a cadet. And Thrawn just looks at him and tells him in Cybisti, I guess, you know, they didn't give this to me as an award. They gave this to me as a target. Like they, you know, they are, they are trying to set me up to fail because every single person is going to find out at some point that I have this lieutenant's pen and I'm going to become the number one target for the bullies and for the people to try to come after, which, you know, again, it, it was given to him out of annoyance, but that's a hundred percent why they did it. They had, you know, they totally were trying to set him up to be, to fail, set him up to be attacked, whatever this is. Well, so he's I like, kind of oh, explained it more huh. to him than, than he immediately understood. Or if he did understand it, he didn't, uh, he wanted to see if Eli understood it the same way because Eli was the one that explained to him, like, hey, this is actually a target on your back. Yeah, this is not this is not good. Because he was he was confused. You're right about that. He was like, why? That's weird. I mean, I know I have a lot of experience, but that's that seems strange. And his because he was he's always like there's a lot of little interludes at the beginning of every one of these chapters where he's reading people. He's reading their body language, their emotional stance the sound of their breath, the sound of their voice, the pitch, like he's, he's completely analyzing every little thing about every interaction he has with people because he's trying to figure out what it means, what they're saying, what the, you know, what the change in their tone means, what the, so that's when he'll turn to Eli and, you know, ask him something like weird, like why, what? And that's, you know, this is what they're doing there, you know, but it, what's what was funny was as as they go, you know, Eli's just mad. He's just mad through half the book about being Thrawn's interpreter. And, you know, after they graduate, they basically say, oh, well, since he needs an interpreter so badly, we're going to make you his personal aide. But nobody at the level of lieutenant has an aide. Captains don't even usually like a captain level or, you know, the commander levels might have an aide. But most of them, not even then. So the, again, they're perceiving this special treatment and Eli's annoyed because now he's no longer going to be able to stay on his shipping track like he wants. He complains about that through the whole book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's like five pages at the end where it finally clicks with him. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he realizes that he's, uh, he's being tugged along with somebody that the empire in general dislikes mm-hmm. you know just socially they don't uh, they don't accept him so and he's being tagged he's, along yeah yeah he's not someone that's going to move up the ranks in a in a positive way like he he does move up the ranks and we'll see he moves up really quickly but it's almost in a begrudging way or well you know you did save 75,000 people and we really can't overlook that so we're going to give you this promotion but Screw you, Eli. You still have to be, you know, the the level that you started out. And so he's an ensign. You know, I think Thrawn makes admiral before he ever gets a <laughs> gets a promotion. And and all of his peers all had been promoted above him. And so when he'd run into them, they would give him shit and be like, mm-hmm. "Oh, you know, I'm your superior officer. Uh, so this is an order. They give him orders." <laughs> 
Well, that that guy in particular, he was one of the ones who I think a week before they graduate at the academy, um, Thrawn and Eli are invited to a card game and gambling is illegal. So they know going to it that it's a setup. They already know like this is a setup, but we have to go because if we don't, it'll be a different setup. Like there's all these things that that get them to go. But um, one of the things that they did was Thrawn had taken his lieutenant's pen with him because at this point it has not been revealed to anyone that he is actually a lieutenant and therefore outranks every one of the students at this school. So they go to this, you know, club or, or this lab basically where you're not supposed to be unless you're authorized to be there. And they, you know, they, they come in and they're like, Oh, would you like to play it? And they're like, we don't have any money for gambling and gambling is illegal. And they're, Oh no, we're not gambling. This is just a friendly game. And so Thrawn basically puts on his Lieutenant pen and just kind of sits there and they're like, uh, never mind. <laughs> we're, we're good. Yeah. And I think they get busted. Like they've called the superior officer in to try to bust them. Cause he's a friend of the dad of this douchebag guy who's trying to set him up. And then Thrawn, you know, basically is like, we were invited here. We don't know why we're here. And we're just sitting here. By the way, do you see my lieutenant pin? Got to go. And so he and Eli are walking back to their barracks or whatever. And they all of a sudden, like he and Eli are talking. He's like, oh, you knew they were going to set us up or you knew they were going to do this. And, you know, that's not going to stop them. And they're still coming after us. And all of a sudden, Thrawn just like chucks him over a hedge <laughs> down the hill is he's like, what the fuck? And then he realizes that they are being attacked, that three or four guys jump out and have attacked Thrawn, but he's thrown Eli out of the way before they could really get to him. And so now he's got a hedge between him and this other guy. And then they kind of proceed to beat the shit out of Thrawn, but they also kind of get caught in the process and Thrawn is smart enough and enough of a, you know, he can hear different things. He can see different things. So he knows who it is. Not that they didn't have a clue before they went out there, but he kind of knows who it is that attacked him. And so the head officer is like, um, okay, so I'm supposed to throw these guys out because they've done this. I don't want to do that because their parents are all high ranking people. They're going to have my ass. And so Instead of ratting these people out and just kicking them out on their ass and making himself a target or the lieutenant or the captain or whoever a target, he basically says, I think that all of these guys really show a proclivity towards being amazing starfighters. Like they should be TIE fighter pilots and they need to be transferred away from this school immediately to finish up their training with the TIE pilots on this other planet or on this other ship or whatever. And so all of these guys are just shipped out, chucked out before the morning is even there. And that and the so the the commander is like, huh, so you give me a way to get them out of here, get them away from you. You're not filing formal charges and you're promoting their career. Why? He's like, because they they literally would make awesome star pilots and we need that. You know, the Empire needs that. So send them over there. And then poor Eli runs into one of them later. He's like, ha, 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 ha. Well, so he's yeah. like, you don't even know you got kicked out of school, you moron. So, yeah, he mentions that. Yeah, the, what's scariest about this is the guy that you need to that we're trying to intimidate that we can't because he's untouchable. All of a sudden, his four closest friends that perpetrated a crime with him disappear. 
gone. Wah, wah. So this will screw with them in the head a lot more than, uh, you know, a reprimand or a punishment would. So Well, because then again, they don't know that Thrawn hasn't told on them. And so they're they're literally just sitting waiting for the other shoe to drop, even though they've been shipped off. They don't know what's happening. The other guy doesn't know what's happening. So it does. It's it's a mental tactic and it's a mental game. And it's really entertaining. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> but then they uh, they make it to graduation and they meet Eli's parents who have come in for this. And they are, you know, kind of backwood hickey people as well. And they don't like Thrawn because they have heard all these Chiss stories. They've had no interaction with him and they don't want to listen to their son who says, no, he's actually not a bad guy. They're like, stay away from him. He's going to ruin your career. And he's like, oh, well. Yeah, we're going to graduate and I'll never see him again because I'm going to go into shipping. Yay. I'm a supply chain manager. Woohoo! Supply chain officer. Yes. And then, <laughs> and then uh, I think it's really interesting because they have a beckon call remote for their ship that basically it's a, it's a little beckon call, you know, it, you push it and the ship comes and it's like a Batmobile. It shows up and picks you up. And I so want one of those. I do too. It'd be amazing. Awesome. But uh, but Thrawn is completely enthralled by this idea of the beck and call. And he's starting to see some really cool potential. And he's looking at the device and how small is that? Could I fit it into something really tiny? Like, say, oh, I don't know, my lieutenant's pen, you know, all these different. Yeah. All these different things. And <laughs> Eli's like, why would you want to? Whatever. Let's go get our assignments and see where we're going to end up. And then the poor, poor guy. So they go to pick up their assignments and Thrawn's been assigned to the Blood Crow as a lieutenant and Eli has been assigned to also the Blood Crow as the ensign assistant to Thrawn. Wah, wah. He is really unhappy with this chain of events, but has absolutely no recourse to it at all. And he's like, did you do this? Did you set me up this way? He's like, I still need an interpreter. I know eight words of basic. You know, he's, he's I think he, oh, you know, he kind of tells him, well, I understand a great deal, but I have a hard time communicating the specifics and the details. So I really, I still need you as my interpreter. So rah, rah, rah. I hope this is not going to get me off my career track. And Yeah, you sounded just like a distance. <laughs> yeah he's got a really the mark thompson does the audiobook for this and he does all the the male narrated audiobooks plus the one with ventress he did the dark disciple as well so but his voices are amazing yeah but uh so eli vanto's character has this super sick thick uh southern drawl kind of thing yeah. going on so he huh. sounds even more like a hick than anything else so he sounds cute though too yeah, you know, I like it. I like it. I, I imagined him looking very cute. Like he, he seemed like an attractive guy based on the voice this guy came up for him. I'm thinking a rugged Chris Pine. I was thinking, actually, you know, the guy who's playing the young Han Solo in the movies is whatever his name is. Aldred, Aldred. I don't really like him as much, but that's kind of what this guy reminded me of. But like a little more rugged. So we'll see if we like him. But yeah, we'll see. I, I do want to, we did talk about, and this is mostly about the beginning of the Thrawn, um, because our quick summary, we've gone three chapters in and we're 30 minutes in. So we're going mm-hmm. to have to <laughs> speed up the summary. Well, <laughs> just like, like every Star Wars book, it seems to have an A story and a B story. Yeah. So we have the B story as well, which is the story of Arenda Price, and, who is yeah. uh, the 
managing director or whatever of price mining on Lothal. Now, if you're familiar with the Rebel series at all, Lothal is where Ezra Bridger is from. And that is where they keep going back to. It has those weird domes and weird Jedi temple hidden under a dome. That's Lothal. So she lives on Lothal. She manages her parents' mining company that's been in their family for generations. And she finds out that her mother, who is the head person, she's the managing whatever, she has been arrested on charges of embezzlement. They think she has stolen all of this money from the mine, even though she doesn't have a penny to her name, whatever. So basically what Arenda finds out is that this senator um, is trying to steal the mine out from underneath them. And the only way to stop that is to go to this other senator who hates that senator. And basically she is told she has to sign the mine over to the empire. And, She doesn't want to do that, but it's the only way to keep her mom out of prison. And she also, she's, she hates Lothal. She thinks it's low class. She wants to move up in the world. She wants to go to Coruscant where the fancy people are. And so she works a deal with Senator Rankin and basically says, well, if you give me a job and a place to place to live, place to work on Coruscant, I will sign the mine over to you. And so that happens and she she moves to Coruscant and she becomes a citizen's assistance something officer. And so her job is basically to go yell at landlords who are not taking care of their responsibilities and whatever. Yeah. And so and if you guys remember, she's actually in the Rebel series as well. And this book is the story of how she gets to the position that you remember her in the Rebel series. Yeah, and Rebel, she is Governor Price. She is the governor of Lothal. So put her on, she's not quite in the Grand Moff area, but she's up there with Governor Tarkin, if you want to think about it in those terms. So she's, she's the head, she becomes the head of Lothal. But this is, yeah, she's right. So this is her origin story, basically, of how she gets there. Because you see her and Thrawn running around together in Rebels quite a bit. Yeah. So, and so this is kind of both of their origin stories. You can see corporate red tape bullshit. Uh, Arintha is really good at cutting through it, even though she lost her family's mind and she found a way to get everything back. Also, they're both tied to a very rare mineral called drillium or Durillium? Durillium. Dur- Dunium. Dunium, that's it. Dunium. It's, re- yeah. it's really rare. It's, uh, and it's, uh, like, it can cut through anything super powerful, mm-hmm. and the Empire loves it, right? And they're, yeah, and they, they're starting, both of them on their separate tasks are starting to realize that Dunium is very important, and people, like, the market for it has, like, tripled and quadrupled and gone a hundred times more than what it was eight minutes ago. Like it's, they don't know why, but they know there's something involved with this dunium. And that's where you start to see how come their paths keep intertwining is because the empire taking over dunium mines, which is what they did with the um mine. Also Thrawn for some reason has a like for dunium. And so he collects things that contain dunium. <laughs> like the buzz droids. <laughs> like the buzz droids. It'd be like enjoying like a 1985 Mustang. Yeah, Mm. it's not the best year to really enjoy it. You know, it it didn't make a lot of sense. People were like, what is this junk? And it was because it contained this. Yeah, about 18 months after graduation, the new captain that's taken over the Blood Crow uh, basically calls Thrawn and all the other officers, plus Eli, because he's still an aide. 
down to a holding bay and is like, what is all this crap? Why is there all these buzz droids in here? These Because buzz droids are Clone Wars level you know, droids that basically just attach to the hull of a ship and would drill a hole in them for nefarious purposes. And he's like, eh, they don't work. I just, I like them. And the last captain said I could have them here. They don't take up much space. And if you want them, you know, you're welcome to them and I'll hold on to them for you. Cause you know, they're made of dunium and that's worth a shit ton of money. And the captain's like, Oh, shit ton of money. I like a shit ton of money. So they get called out to this uh, freighter that's got a distress call on it. And Thrawn goes, of course, because the captain doesn't really give a shit. She's like, whatever. But she's like, loves to get rid of Thrawn any chance she gets. So she sends Thrawn and Banto and three other people to go check out this distress call. And they get on there and they start looking around. He brings the buzz droids with him just in case, just in case they're handy. I don't know. Well, I think they're going to take off and she doesn't want the, the, crap on her on her bridge or whatever so she's like get him out of here so she he takes them with him just like Meh, take my droids for a walk and uh, so they get on there and they look around and they find a guy hiding around and his name is uh signy and signy claims to be uh one of the crew and he said that the rest of the crew was kidnapped he like got a bonk on the head and hid or i don't know something he was whatever He's like, oh, my gosh, they've all been kidnapped. What's going to happen? Uh, we're carrying all of this uh, really ex- this crazy metal, this uh, shit. What's it called? And they also had a leak of something that it easily explodes. And so it concerns the rest of the crew that they can't go in there. To Tabana like- gas. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. So this Tabana gas is highly explosive. It's in these big containers. It's also highly expensive and being stolen and traded on the black market. And so they're like, Oh my gosh, the pirates are going to come back. What are we going to do? And then, you know, so they, they managed to break into the room where the Tabana gas is because Thrawn has this grand plan of using his buzz droids to extricate the gas without breaking it open and killing everyone in the process. And as soon as Signy hears that, he basically pulls a gun on him and haha, I'm actually one of the pirates. And then all of those crew plus the buzz droids, why they took the droids. I don't really know, but uh, they all end up on the pirate ship with angel. And <laughs> so once he gets reunited with the crew of the, was it Dromedon? I think was the name of that ship. Uh, he basically uses a beck and call. He's made a beck and call in to, out of his Lieutenant's badge and he calls the buzz droids and they come cut him out of the cage that they're in and they get back and scare off the bad guys. Basically they don't catch him though. Signy gets away. It kind of uh, leads to the storyline that Thrawn is kind of going after smugglers and pirates and things of that. Uh, we start to hear more stories of him following and looking for smugglers that commit you know similar crimes they're going after specific gases specific minerals specific spice varietals Mm -hmm. (laughs) that may or may not be like cocaine um Mm -hmm. and so that becomes his thing so i think that's why we can enjoy learning the story of thrawn because he's not going after our heroes right well our heroes are four at this point they're not heroes yet yeah so, and the rebellion is still in its infancy at this point. They, and, and honestly, it comes back around to what, what was his name? Night, Nighthawk, Night, Night Swan, 
Night Swan. That's what it was. Sorry. I was like Nightshade. What? So Night Swan is a name that keeps coming up with regards to all of this smuggling that's going on throughout the book. And through all of this, every time he screws up and every time he saves somebody, he gets a promotion and Eli doesn't. So after this, you know, situation with the Tabana grass, he gets a slap on his hand for losing the expensive Tabana gas, but he saves this crew and like a whole planet's worth of people that were, you know, condemned by these pirates so they, you know, they give him another, now he's a lieutenant commander or whatever he is. And so Eli's still stuck at Ensign for like 43 years, it feels like. And so, but they keep hearing Night Swan pop up and Night Swan this and Night Swan that. And they're, they're following all these leads that lead them down the Night Swan path, trying to figure out what this is. And yeah. what Night Swan turns out to be is kind of the beginning of a rebellion, or it's it's more or an insurgency, let's say. So we've got a small group of people trying to make a little bit of noise, trying to make a little bit of a dent, but it's not really a it's not really a concerted effort just yet. I don't know. They kind of talked back and forth about Night Swan that Night Swan was just a criminal and criminal against the empire was getting a following of people because mm-hmm. you know Hey, he's not the empire. The empire's screwing us. This guy's screwing the empire. Hey, all for this guy. That's the impression I got. It's kind of a Robin Hood figure, basically. Yeah. And and he's smart and helps people steal so that it's efficient. Uh, he helps people steal so that they don't get caught, which he did. And that they don't kill a lot of people in the process. Yeah. He he does seem to have a respect for humanity in that way. And uh you know, we can go into more Night Swan if you want to talk more Night Swan about it. But this is who Thrawn is chasing. This is his white whale because he it is. He's he's basically spent his whole you know career throughout the book here, this intro career, if you will, looking for Night Swan and trying to figure out what's going on. But he's also he's smart enough to know that this isn't just some random criminal, yeah. and he's trying to figure it out because the the things that he's doing. Like he's sealing the Tabana gas, which is worth a lot of money, but not really all that effective for other uses. So he kind of realizes, okay, well, maybe he is funding some sort of insurgency or something is happening and there's funding happening. Then he's also realizing that this dunium is all going missing or the mines have all been appropriated somehow by the empire. And he wants to know what that's about because, you know, it has limited uses and what they are used for, I think are slightly terrifying. And he, you know, he's, but he's starting to put together like a dossier on both the empire and night Swan and pretty much anyone that comes across him. Like I said, he's a very, very analytical. He spends the entire time just thinking to himself and watching people's respiration and their, the lips purse slightly. And, you know, it's very interesting to listen to all of this analog, you know, analytical detail about his observations and then seeing where that goes. And it's really fun because throughout all of this, again, Eli's still just kind of whining that he's not, you know, he's not the supply chain officer. He's not on the career path he wants, but he's learning a lot. He is learning a ton about tactical things how to be a leader. He's watching Thrawn. And even though he's annoyed by all of this, because Thrawn basically quizzes him the whole time they're doing things like, well, why did I do this? And, you know, figure it out, like trying to get him. Everything's a, le- a learning lesson, trying to get him to really move forward and, and progress his thinking. 
not just down the supply chain path, but also what else, you know, is out there. And, and he's utilizing this skill set that he already does have for these purposes. Like, what would you do with Dunium? What would you do with Tabana gas? What would you, you know, and cause he has a, a lot more knowledge about the movings and the shipments and the, you know, the paths of where these things could go within the amount of time that they have. That's the other thing that's really kind of cool. It's all this, mapping and math of, well, you know, they've got four jumps to get from here to here. So these are the possible places they could possibly go in that amount of time, that amount of fuel without having to stop. And here are potential places to stop. So they're actually able to get ahead of whoever they're chasing and kind of ambush them at different points because they can, they can foresee and plan out further ahead than the other crew who doesn't really fully realize that they're being chased i think most of the time so though i think night swan does catch on to that at some point and then he starts leading the chase yep you see that back and forth because thrawn who has been able to successfully outmaneuver and outwit anybody that he has come across um night swan has gotten the best of him a couple of times and a couple of times thrawn got the best night swan so it wasn't just a one-sided thing so he uh, it's they, very much a duel and it's very much a parry and lunge. And I think they really both kind of got off on that. Like it was, Hey, here's someone who's actually challenging me for a change. Yeah. And then, you know, as it was kind of neat though, too, is that seeing Eli's input in this, uh, because with his supply background, he kind of understood things that somebody that's been an outsider to the area wouldn't have known. Um, mm-hmm. just, you know, like you were saying, he was able to look at a map and determine that it was Dunium that they were going after. Is Dunium? Yep, Dunium. I'm never going to remember these foreign materials. <laughs> um, uh, it doesn't matter. You can call it Bob's gold. It yeah. doesn't matter. And he was able to look at that in automat and see it natively, whereas a Thrawn was unable to do that. By the way, yeah, he was struggling to put those pieces together. Yeah, what was Thrawn's full name? It was like Ma. I wrote it down. Hold on, it's really long. It is. It's like Mithrianbu. Yeah, it has Odo. No, there's an Odo on the end because I I highlighted that. It has two little those dash marks in. Yeah, it's like he's got quotes in the middle of his like single quotes in the middle of his name. All right, his name is. Damn notes. No wonder we're 50 minutes in. How many notes do you have there? Not that many. That's the thing. I didn't get through much. Fuck. Good lord. But, but I wrote them by hand, and that's the problem. Now I can't find it. Anyways, fuck it. Yeah. Okay, here it is. Mithra Nuodo. That's his name. Mithra Nuodo. But the only one who ever calls him that is the Emperor. So yeah, he's so Thrawn right, otherwise. Everybody else calls him Thrawn. And yeah, you know, keep so. in mind during all of this, the Empire, like the people in the Empire actively hate him. Now, the, oh, yeah. the Emperor finds him a delight is what it sounds like. I don't know if he finds him a delight. I think he finds him an amusement. I think he's, he, he's in a win-win situation where this guy is either going to do an amazing job and promote his Empire or he's going to fuck it up. And he's going to get to kill somebody, you know, like that's, that's kind of the emperors in the puppet stage. Like he's like, either way, it's a win-win for me. He's either going to do this or my other people are going to get a new punching bag. Like he's, he has no, there is no uh, losing situation for him. So while Thrawn is, is basically chasing Night Swan all over the galaxy and getting all of his, uh, all of his promotions and whatever, we do have a Price who has, 
been working her way through this assistance program, working with senators, working her way up the federal district ladder, because she this is where she wants to be. She wants to be a mover and a shaker with these people. And she gets screwed by another senator who basically doses her up, like sprays a bunch of spice on her because she is delivering something that she doesn't know what it is. And what it is, is basically a like a mining USB key, if you will, to steal something from one senator to another. But he sprays her with spice and then basically blackmails her and says, I'm going to ruin your life. You have enough spice on you to go to prison forever. I'm going to say that you did this because, you know, you were fucking me over and this guy, I can't get him, but I can take you down. And so she has to take the other guy down. And so she loses her job there and kind of goes to another situation to where she's unhappy. She's not making it work, but she's a bitch. So she just basically goes into this other like citizens assistance thing. And the lady's like not doing her job very well. And she's like, I can work circles around this lady. And if I do, I get her job. And they're like, all right, sure. So she does. She does (laughs) totally goes in and get this lady fired and takes her job. But she's just kind of cutthroat like that. Like she's ready to move up and, It'd be like being unemployed and going to the DMV and the DMV. The unemployment office. Yeah, or the unemployment (laughs) office. And these people are act like people at the unemployment office that are paying and going in there and going, your people are assholes. I will work for free for several days to prove that I can get twice as much product out. And Mm -hmm. that's what she did. So that's pretty ballsy. It is ballsy. And it's like genius. (laughs) I like it. It doesn't work in government, though. The more inefficient you are, the better in government. That is true. I have worked in government before and I was not terribly uh, inefficient. So therefore I did not ever move ahead. (laughs) I can never, I would never get behind the idea of being an asshole and working slower. Like these are just two things that I am not able to do, but I think those are the two keys for success in a lot of arenas. So I know it seems like the harder you work, the harder you are to replace. So you're stuck with where you're, wherever you are. Yep. Yep. They're like, we can't replace you. So you stay here forever. You're like, fuck, totally worked myself into a corner. Arinda ended up actually, you know, coming out of it, but by doing similar things like that, getting screwed over by a friend and then screwing them over on top of it, which is a fun story, but man, it's going to be too long to go into. Uh, And it's a B story anyway. It's not that important. Yeah. All right. This might be a really good time to take a little break and introduce a promo for one of our awesome castaway friends. Be right back. Hi, I'm Phil. Oh. <laughs> did someone just did someone just sign off of AOL? I'm Paul. I really don't have a lot on this. <laughs> oh my god, this is this is rolling off the rails real quick. And I'm Dennis. I, I am so guys. mixed up today. Just don't even listen to me anymore. And together we are. Voltron. Well, no, not Voltron. We are Useless Debates in Pop Culture, a weekly... Or we at least try to be. ...podcast that allows you to pick the winner. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. By no means the a lamp. The internet lamp. strikes again. Yeah, for sure. We will debate anything. So if you want to hear debates on such useless topics as best Val Kilmer role... Tombstone, Tombstone, or best movie soundtrack... American Graffiti, or the most successful former boy band member... JT. Then tune into our show. Your podcast is so well-named. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, Podbean, and Google Play. And our website, uselessdebate.com. All right, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> okay, welcome back. Welcome back. 
So we've been talking about Thrawn and been doing basically kind of a summary on it. I don't know if we want to spoil the big spoiler at the end. What do you think? Well, yeah, it's a book club. Well, I know, but people actually have not read the book. Let's be let's be frank. Do you think anyone who listens to any of our book clubs has read the book? They're listening to the book club so they don't have to read the book. All right. If you and if that is the case, how about this? We'll continue talking about this. And then at the end, we'll say, and here's the spoiler. And if you don't want it, then you skip ahead. You just stop there because you've already downloaded it. So I don't really care if you listen to the whole thing. <laughs> just kidding. All right. So. Um, All right. Okay. So we're not talking about the rest of the Renda Price B story. Uh, long story short, she goes to a planet, saves her parents, kills a guy and blackmails her way into becoming the governor of Lothal. Yeah, I think Done. that was in backwards order, but that's fine. She becomes the governor no. of Lothal and then kills a guy. And, eh, whatever. And we did, I think they left it up in the air if she was going to get caught, right? Did, um, maybe. Uh, yeah, I think they're holding it over her is what they're doing. They're just kind of hanging on to it. Um, there, I heard there is another Thrawn book that's coming out, like a sequel to this one. And guess who's going to be in it? Darth is going to be in it. I know. It's a big buddy story. It'll be interesting. I like the stories where Darth Vader shows up and takes a buddy trip across the galaxy with someone. It's really entertaining. Uh, the Grand Moff Tarkin book, or Tarkin from two years ago, he and Vader take a buddy trip across the, across the galaxy. We've been talking about Thrawn and kind of his uh, analytical style. And basically, this you wouldn't want to play chess with this dude, right? Because he <laughs> thinks way too far ahead and he thinks about uh, things that people don't think about. And that's kind of a, a legendary chiss trait, but mm-hmm. he has embodied it. I think that he is really just trying to uh, keep people alive. That's, that's the other thing that I think is really interesting because again, in the old series, we see him much more as a criminal mastermind in this one, he's doing all this plotting and scheming. And a lot of people think that he's not protecting the empire or doing what he is, but everything that he does is to reduce the risk of loss of life. Everything he's doing is trying to minimize the cost and, you know, keep, keep people safe and do things from, you know, like being above board, like really doing things the right way, even though people don't understand his methods, even the people who work with him. And I I love the fact that throughout this book, you can start to see Eli because he does eventually get a promotion. Like finally, he finally gets promoted to like a commander or something, Like he makes a jump, right? Because yeah, he, he thinks he's going to go from an ensign to like he may have gone to a lieutenant he He thought he was going to be a lieutenant he jumped straight to like a lieutenant commander like he jumps a whole pay grade or maybe two um because and i think arinda price was actually instrumental in making that happen like she kind of knew whose whose hands degrees to make that happen with you know thrawn getting all the things that he was doing So he starts to slowly realize, one, that he's never going to get to be a supply chain officer, but two, that he doesn't really mind so much anymore because he realizes that over time what Thrawn has been doing him or doing with him is grooming him to be the best high level officer that he can be and to be very similar to Thrawn in how he thinks and how he starts to analyze situations and getting beyond the obvious and going for you know, what other people don't see. 
Yeah, he has an appreciation for anybody with this tactical ability. Eli never really thought about it. You start to pick up on it later that he actually sees uh, something in him that even Eli doesn't see in him. Who was it that said, do you think that anybody, even if you explained it to him, would understand that? Not everybody would. I think it was the captain on uh, whatever the last ship they're on. The the big one, but Devastator or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, but she even says that she's like, um, yeah, we still don't get it. Like you you understand him, you understand how his mind works, which is a feat in and of itself because his mind doesn't work like anyone else's mind. Yeah, I really I really like Thrawn as a character. Like I liked him in the Heir to the Empire books just because he was kind of creepy but super awesome as well. And you in that you could just see him stepping ahead of all of these other really smart people. Like he was chasing down Admiral Akbar and he was doing all this crazy stuff, but you're like, geez, he's really good. And, but now we get to see more of the humanity in him or the chiss in him or whatever it is that actually makes him a really, just a really good guy and a really good Naval officer, regardless of which side that he's on. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I really liked is one, did they figure out who Knight's one is? Eli goes on a little mission. Actually, Eli and uh, Thrawn get in like a shuttle and go on a mission to find Night Swan. And Thrawn hides out. Eli gets captured and taken to see Night Swan. And Night Swan turns out to be Sinji. <laughs> the same guy who was the pirate from the beginning of the book. We forgot and to tell them that we were going to spoil it. You know, you oh, that wasn't it. the oh, that wasn't the big spoiler I was thinking of. Spoilers! Oh, I was thinking that was the big spoiler. I guess it wasn't that. Yeah. Big well, it happens three quarters of the way through the book, so it's I don't know. I didn't consider that to be the spoiler. All right, it's not a spoiler. No big deal. And it's me. whatever. So anyway, Sinji turns out to be Night Swan, and you know they they they're like, why don't you come work for us? Y'all are pretty smart, and you've been chasing me, and I mean we're gonna have to kill you if you don't. Oh, I figured out what the other. Uh, the other mm-hmm. spoiler you're referring to is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe that one's not all that much of a spoiler either but I bet it was because if you didn't know what was coming then you'd be like what the fuck how did he figure that out yeah so okay Sorry. yeah so anyway so they find out that this who is who it is and now they have a better idea of how to try to catch him in a trap but when they do finally catch him in a trap and they catch him on this planet and it happens to be the planet that Arenda Price sent her parents off to. So that leads down that whole path we were talking about where she kills the guy, saves her parents, blows the shit up, whatever. He goes and has a meeting with Night Swan by himself, just the two of them. And he actually offers Night Swan a job with the Chiss Ascendancy and says, hey, I need someone like you, someone who's smart, someone who doesn't want to get people killed, who really does a good job of keeping shit together. Like, I need this person to come out here and help look after my people and give them an understanding of the potential dangers that's coming. And this is the first time you really understand that part of the potential danger that he has told the emperor about coming for the Chiss is the empire. Like, they are actually probably the biggest threat out there. And he's he's working both sides of the table. And I, I think that that's one of the most entertaining things about him. But he works both sides of the table fully committed. Like he is fully in it with the Empire. He's also fully in it for the Chiss. 
but he's going to send somebody over there and say, hey, this is who I've sent to come help you and understand the comings and goings and what's happening. Uh, he's looking at it as like a bigger picture, right? So it's a win-win. He goes, he helps the Chiss Ascendancy to help with the Chiss, but he also is no longer an enemy of the Empire and therefore leading people up uh, against a rebellion in him. Uh, it makes me think about everything he's done since then by thinking like whenever he was bad, like, was he looking at a bigger picture that we can't see because we're looking at it through a narrow focus of like, hey, this is going to harm this. But he's like, in the grand scheme of things, it needs to be done this way. Does he know more than we do? It really opens that. Uh, I think he does. But I think there's also the certain point of view that you're looking at things and saying, you know, if if you're in the empire and you're in the service of the empire and the empire is currently the regime in charge you're the loyalist, you know, it's, it's the rebels are the insurgents. They are the terrorists at this point. If you're one of the rebels, you know, you're fighting against an evil dictatorship that has taken over your galaxy. So again, it really depends on where you're sitting. And I don't know that any people are really, truly inherently evil. I mean, other than the empire, you know, the emperor himself really truly evil other than just they you know some of them just work in a job you know they get up and they go to work and they put on their stormtrooper gear and they do what they're supposed to do and they do what they're told to do to keep you know it's like being a police officer or in the military of any kind you just get dressed and you go do your job somebody on the other side of the line is always going to see you as much more demonic than you actually are or that you feel that you are i should say I saw a bumper sticker today. It, said it had a stormtrooper on it and it said, support your troops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, yeah. uh, yes. So, I mean, I just found it really interesting because they were able to shed a light on somebody that, you know, is kind is kind is a bad guy because he's for the empire, but obviously he has his own, you know, where he gets the whole time I was listening to him. I was thinking there's something else. There's something else underlying here. Why did he want to be in the empire? And that, you know, because it just didn't make a lot of sense to me. It's like, oh, hey, I'm just going to join this governing agency that's gigantic because I got kicked out of my own. There was something underlying there. And now this is where we learned it, is that he still cares and is in charge of the Chiss Ascendancy, at least to the point where he can hire people. So obviously <laughs> he's a big deal. He wasn't exiled, like he said. I think there's, you know, a bigger kind of revelation towards the end that and I think he even says it when he goes back to uh, meet with the emperor after all of this has happened. Night Swan, um, spoiler, gets blown up when Arenda Price blows the shield on this rebel insurgency base. So he dies, and Thrawn thinks wait, wait, this is a massive waste. We're giving the impression he died. They said they found his body. So, but they they he, also they, said they also questioned it, didn't they? I don't, no, I don't I, think so. I think, I think they, they pretty much said he died with his troops. He was right there. So that that is the assumption anyway, that he died in that explosion. And, you know, then there was all this question. Why did you do this this way? Why did you have these ships set up on this outer skirt? And it was like not to protect us, but to jump because they were damaged. Like we're trying to save as many people as we can. But one of the things the emperor kind of asks him towards the end here is, you said you were exiled from the Chiss or that they kicked you out for preemptive strike. You know, 
what does that mean? Why do you want to go back and help them? What is it? You know, whatever. And he's like, I exiled myself. Like, and, you know, pretty much the preemptive strike was the empire. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm going to preemptively come figure out what's up with you guys so that you don't come find us first. Yeah. And so he, again, he's playing both sides, but he, again, plays them both with complete and total dedication. So he's like the emperor was, if you think about it in the prequels, but he's not evil. He's not a bad guy. He's not doing it for malicious purposes. He's doing it much more. Everything he does seems to be done with good intentions, whether they're misplaced targets in our minds or not. He's doing the best he can to keep people protected, to keep the empire protected. But he's also doing, he and Eli have also been doing a whole lot of digging research using that supply chain uh, mind to figure out big secret projects that are happening within the empire about, I don't know, 10 years or so before a new hope. Yeah. I wonder what that project was. <laughs> I think they even, do they even say the name? Yeah, they do. I, I thought they did. Say uh, at story. the very end, he says, you know, ask the emperor. He's like, I want to ask you a question. I would pr- appreciate an honest answer. He says, what's the death star? Like he knew exactly what it was. I, I don't know if he came across the files or if they just, full on pulled it together. I don't know. So they don't really get into that, but maybe that'll be in the second Thrawn book. Who knows? I'm not sure where that one's supposed to pick up. So it'll be, I I will definitely be reading it. Not that I haven't read every single star Wars book that's come out since they made the canon change. Cause I have. (laughs) So it's a, it comes out in sometime in 2018. So sometime this year, uh, this this book that we're talking about came out in April of 2017. However, the paperback is still not out until Monday, Monday, the 29th. Mm-hmm. Crazy, huh? I thought yeah, that's crazy. Paper, and paper- this, you know, for anybody who thinks that star Wars books, like aren't real books or like they're short, this one was like 465 pages in a hardback. Like that's how big this book was. It's not a short book. Like we, we listened to it. And it was probably close to, I don't know, this is like 16, 17, 18 hours. It was long. I think I don't think it was as long as American Gods, but it was still pretty fucking oh. long. Oh, okay. So are we going to talk about the big spoiler revelation at the end of Thrawn? Didn't I just talk about it? Oh, I was also thinking about the fact that uh, Vanto joined the Chiss Ascendancy. Oh, yeah, there's that. So, yeah, the very last chapter of the book, uh, Vanto is basically talking. And I'm trying to, like, imagine in my head what kind of vessel he is in to make this journey out to the unknown regions because for some reason in my head it's like a tiny little pod yeah because i don't know that he's a pilot so i'm not sure if they did they rent him a crew is he out by himself does everyone just naturally know how to fly these are things i need answers to i don't know but they uh yes he basically promoted eli or sent him and i'm not sure how they work this with the empire if that was something he worked out with the emperor in regards to the Death Star plans? I don't know. I don't know how it would uh, work. They, they defi- it definitely was a gap in the, mm-hmm. our knowledge. And just it was just thrown in the last, what, quarter of a chapter. It was very short. It was like, you know, five or six paragraphs just talking about him flying out into space. And then the, you know, thing coming in. And I don't know how it's going to work when I'm living with the Chiss Ascendancy. And you're like, what? So he basically took the job that. Thrawn had initially offered to Night Swan. Yeah, so if the Empire knows about it, or if the Empire doesn't know about it, we don't know. See, 
you would think they would have to have some sort of understanding. Otherwise, he would just be considered AWOL and somebody would be tracking him down. They'd send Boba Fett after him. I don't know. My assumption is that they would have had to pretend he died in some kind of combat mission. You would think something. But they they didn't talk about that. So it'll either be explored in the next book or it's just left to our imagination. Or Vanto's gone. Like it's Vanto's gone, it's but I, I love him as a character. He's a really, really good character because he's us. You know, we talked about that in The Last Jedi, that the reason people don't like the prequels is because they don't have an everyman. Everybody in it is a Jedi or a senator or they're, you know, these highfalutin people. And you don't have the Han Solos and the Finns and the Poes and the people who are just normal, non-magical people. And that was the thing with Eli, he's just a guy from the sticks, but he's, he just had a good brain for the things he had always known. He was a good learner and he worked with someone long enough to realize how to read them back. And I like that about him. He was, he, again, he was us who get screwed with the crappy assignments that eventually in years pay off. Yeah. I'll wait for mine. (laughs) Still waiting. (laughs) (laughs) So somebody wants to send me to the chess ascendancy. That's cool. <laughs> yep. But it's funny because he, the way you, the way Eli was told, and again, the myths and the legends that surrounded the chess in his culture, what they were very much like a warrior kind of race. They were very dangerous. They were cunning and sneaky and all of these things that, that Thrawn is, but not in the kind of primitive primordial sense that you think they thought you know what i'm saying like you know that they thought that these were like just basically aboriginals with the stick but really really dangerous and blue red eyes. and blue red eyes so anyway that is uh pretty much our super short uh, explanation of thrawn <laughs> we can't do summaries for shit no, no. <laughs> Um, so really interested to see who has listened to it or read it or are going to pick it up on Monday when it comes out um, mm-hmm. on paperback uh, to see how you liked it or if you were a fan of the original and how did you feel about this one. Um, mm-hmm. There's, I, I've seen both sides on the internet. Some people were saying it was too political. I didn't get that it was too political. No, I didn't either. I think he was trying to navigate around the politics and I think that's part of life and that's part of life in any job it's part of life definitely in the military because that's just everything is political you know you have to know who to talk to you have to make friends with the right people and if you don't you have a lot harder time and like i said this guy you know he was he was in a situation where he was kind of untouchable and they kept promoting him but the way they screwed with him was to fuck with somebody else fuck with eli instead yeah It just goes to show that the empire is just like any other corporation. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I will, I will say, like I said, I love this book. I really, really liked it. It's one of, one of my top picks of the, the new star Wars that has come out just because it was really well done. Timothy Zahn is an excellent writer. You know, he doesn't leave, he doesn't leave too many things, you know, unthought of. So he's very thrown in that, in that capacity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. in 2018 so hopefully they get the uh, audiobook out quickly because that's the only time i get a chance to read is when i listen to it yeah i think usually the audiobook comes out fairly shortly after at least with the star wars books it's like they plan it i think other books there's usually a lag yeah. like a couple of months maybe between the two coming out 
but they usually seem to be pretty quick on the draw. Cause I know, I, I don't even know if I bought the Thrawn book. I think we just got the audio book this time. So, yeah. and I, I don't wait, like <laughs> when they come out, I want them now. Exactly. So, All right. so that'll be interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see what's coming next with this one. So, All right. Do you have any uh, recommendations this time around, Heather? Yes, uh, my recommendation has nothing to do with Star Wars, but it has something to do with the Beatles. If you love the Beatles like I do, it's uh, the movie Across the Universe, and I love it. It's my favorite movie just about right behind Dark Knight. So it's 2007, so it's been around a while, and it's a complete musical. It's all Beatles songs, but it kind of runs how they did. Like they started out kind of teeny bopper, then they went into a psychedelic and then an anti-war phase through the 60s. So it kind of puts that in line with the 60s through a story. It's it's just so good. I can't really describe it uh, much. Well, you have to see it. It's fantastical, but yet down to earth, and it's musically genius. Bono plays a cameo joe cocker plays a cameo uh, it's it's incredible cool i have actually not seen it and i've been meaning to if you like and the i think beatles, it's on like one it. of my lists hulu or something so yeah if you like the beatles you like it if you don't like the beatles or don't know much about it it might be kind of weird but i'm not a huge fan of the beatles in general but i i mean i like the songs that i like and there's a lot of songs that i think are fucking weird so well, they put the know. weird ones in too but most of it's the, the likey songs the good songs yeah. So it's a, the weird songs they put in for a reason, which yeah. is what makes it cool. So anyway, you'll like it. It's a musical. Well, I'm excited. I'll have to. I've, I've been meaning that because you've recommended it in the past and I've been I've, meaning to did I recommend it on check the it show? out. And, uh, well, you have, but it was like two years ago, so it doesn't count. OK. All so, right. uh, and I'm I'm actually recommending something that I'm sure I've recommended all the time or a lot of times with the, our book club episodes, especially. And that is the Goodreads app slash the Goodreads uh, website. So if you you know don't want to use it on your phone, you can still use it on the website. This is an app that basically allows you to keep track of the books that you have read, the books that you want to read, the books you are currently reading and your progress in them. It allows you to add ratings and reviews. Um, it also will provide, you know, based on the type of books that you read, it'll provide recommendations for you. It's a social website, so it allows you to see what your other, like what your friends are reading, what they recommend, and they even have a uh, challenge. They have a reading challenge every year that you can go in and you can put down the number of books that you plan to read that year. And every time you finish a book and tell it you're done, it'll put it on your list so that you can keep track of everything. Last year for 2017, my goal was 40, and I think I hit 43 right at the end of the year. And this year, my book is my challenge is 52. So I'm hoping for a book a week. I'm already at four and we are what three weeks in almost three full weeks in tomorrow. So um, yeah, so it's going well so far. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, highly recommend book Goodreads. It also keeps track if you are like really anal about things like, oh, I'm I want to know how many pages I read a year. It keeps track of that number of pages, number of words, whatever you want to know, it'll tell you. So it's pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah, I like it. It's a good, it's a good little thing. I think some people find it annoying. Um, I don't post my like when I finish a book or whatever to Facebook, but you can if you're, you know, someone who needs the accolades of someone else going, "Yay, you read a book!" So, yep. you know what? It creeps me out though, because mm-hmm. I just pulled it up to rate Thrawn, mm-hmm. and it's telling me all of the books that I'm currently reading, and it's like everything I've downloaded on. Um, Do you have a Kindle? Yeah, but it's like 
first steps in SAP. Ooh, nice. Yeah. It, uh, anything you download through Amazon, like through your Kindle app or through audible, it should keep track of those. If you have them connected, like my dad's is like that because he has a Kindle reader that he reads on and he does all of his books from the library. And so they automatically download because they download from the library and overdrive through, uh, Amazon. Yeah. I'm removing these cookbooks because cookbooks don't count. <laughs> I don't keep cookbooks on my list of things that I have read or things I want to read, well, but I do have cookbooks in my cook in my, uh, Kindle as well. Yeah. And then, um, it, but, and then the Dr. Who free comic book day, like, no, that's not really a book. No, you know what? I, we have a lot of friends that, um, they, you know, they count com- comic books and graphic novels. You know what? If you're not a re and that's the thing, you choose what you consider to be a book. Some people may never read a novel. They may never sit down and read a fiction book of any kind. They may not read memoirs, but they read like graphic novels or comic anthologies and whatever. And they want to keep track of it. Go to town. I don't care. It's, it's your challenge, not mine. I can't be competitive because somebody else read 300 children's books this year. Yep. Yeah. I probably read 40 children's books this year that I didn't count because I have nieces and nephews. <laughs> that's, that's what I do is read them books. But, uh, you know, so it's just a really nice little app that keeps track of these things. You can have it on your phone or your iPad. You can have it on the, the browser if you're more comfortable doing that. And like I said, it, it's, it's been really nice because I've seen a lot of things other people are reading that I might not have heard about or that I might not hear about for a good long while, if ever. And so it's like, oh, well, I really want to check that out. And it's really nice also because of BookBub, as soon as I find a cheap book or a free book, I kind of put it into Goodreads as a want to read. So then I'm like, oh, well, I need a new book to read. What should I read? Oh, here's all these books I just downloaded and totally forgot that I downloaded. I should read those because there they are. And I don't have to spend more money on them because I already got them for free. Yep. So. All right. Um, speaking of books, let's remind everybody of our next book club so that they can get rid of us. And I think a lot more of our readers will have read this one. Yeah, this this next book is part of our rereading all of the Harry Potter books challenge that we set for ourselves last year. So back in September, I think, is when we did Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Or if you're, you know, Canadian or English or literally anywhere else but here, it's the Philosopher's Stone. So this time we are reading the second book, which is Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. So get to reading that because it won't be that long. It's not a very long book (laughs) before we come back out with our episode for that. And these we got, we got really in depth. Didn't we have to do a two part on Harry Potter? Yeah. The first one? Yeah. I think we actually did a two part on the book, which is the first book is the shortest book. And so I'm just imagining that these other ones will be long as well. Yep. I assume so. Anyway. And, and I'm okay with that because, because that was kind of the point. Like we've done a lot of Harry Potter issues or well, not a lot, but we've done several Harry Potter shows in the past and it's always little bits and pieces and tidbits of things. But this one, we're really kind of diving in a little bit deeper again, not chapter by chapter deep, but a little deeper, a lot more detailed. And we're also reading them as if we did not already know what happens at the end of the series. So we will not be spoiling things from future books in current books. We will only be talking about current and probably a little previous if we have to, but most likely it'll just be that one current book. Yeah. 
Um, that's a goal anyway. Yeah, that's. I think that that's the way to do it. So mm-hmm. um, let us know. So tell us how much you love that book uh, so we can talk about it when we're uh, recording it. And then also get reading it so that you can uh, have freshly read it before our new episode. Absolutely. And if you have any, if you guys ever want to interact with us, make sure you are following us on Twitter at Nerdy Bitches Pod. Look us up on Facebook at Nerdy for Nerdy Bitches Podcast. We also have a Facebook discussion group, discussion group, which means you can actually see everything that we post because it gives you a lot more information than just the regular page will. Uh, But you can also interact with us directly. We're on there quite a bit. Heather posted some panties today. So to get Harry Potter panties, in fact, that's what they were. Just just as a spoiler for that post, uh, one of the pairs says Hufflemuff. (laughs) Yeah, I was I was kind of looking at that but i saw uh kt marguerite or somebody's like i'm gonna have to get a pair of those slither in panties those are awesome so. <laughs> okay i do have our internet quote of the day um, hey. as we talked about we uh generally do out of context but we started to do a lot more in context ones uh that are just kind of funny and make us laugh and so these are i have two they are both in context okay so here is one as a blue man i feel like i'm finally getting some much deserved representation. Long overdue. Blue power. <laughs> Blue lives matter. <laughs> and uh, the next one, also in context, is simply hashtag not chissest. <laughs> Sweet. I like it. So there you go. Those are our in context internet uh, anonymous internet quotes of the day. I wonder if the blue guy was from that blue penis tribe that uh, anthropologist Michelle liked to tell us about. Yes, that's funny. I forgot about that. <laughs> so, Okay, good. All right. So we're going to see everybody uh, coming next week. Uh, let us know if there's any new and exciting nerd news that you want us to cover because we'll talk about it. You know how to get a hold of us. We just talked about that. So, Absolutely. And uh, hang tight because we're going to talk to you a little bit about our Patreon account coming up here. All right. Do you want a chance to support the show? Want to get some awesome rewards and nerdy bitches swag? Then head on over to our Patreon account at patreon.com slash nerdy bitches. From not your basic bitch to rockstar bitch, we have a monthly donation plan to fit any budget. Your support allows us to really up our game and make sure the show stays awesome without bowing to corporate sponsorship. In addition to providing prizes, giveaways, and convention coverage, we'll also donate 20% of all net profits each month directly to other independent podcasts. This allows us to help grow other indie shows that we believe in. So hit us up at patreon.com slash nerdy bitches and support your favorite bitches today. Music provided by www.bensound.com and please email feedback to contact us at nerdybitches.com. What is this junk? <laughs>